the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And his beautiful daughter, Stacy <laughs> Matthews. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hi, Stacy. We're back in the saddle here for another episode of The Bible Live. We're making progress. I, I like it when we make progress from one book to another. We finished the book of Hebrews last week, which I just declared to be my new favorite book of the Bible. <laughs> and now it's Ezekiel. <laughs> and now it's Ezekiel, yeah. And what does that say about you? Uh, I'm very Tell fickle. What's your favorite book of the Bible? Uh, it, I, I don't know what it says. What does it favorite. say about me, John? I don't know. I, I asked that question last week, remember? Oh, yeah? Okay, about, well. Uh, you didn't I, know somebody and they told you their favorite book, book of the Bible. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And you said, what does that tell you about them? About a person, if they, whatever book of the Bible they think is the favorite. Hmm, that is, a, I, it is an interesting question. I didn't say a good question, but it's an interesting one. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, now it's Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a more difficult book. Uh, it is, uh, every year, I guess I, I say that, uh, uh, we'll, we'll kind of give the introduction to Ezekiel what we know about him and what we know about his call. It's it's very unusual because he writes from outside of Israel. He's not uh, the same time that Jeremiah, and we've already finished the book of Jeremiah, is over in in Israel, in Jerusalem, uh, predicting the the the, uh, destruction of Jerusalem and God's judgment on Judah uh, and the wickedness, the corruption, the perversion that was present in in Israel at that time. And so he's over there announcing, trying to prepare them for this terrible disaster that is is going to be unleashed upon them. And, And with his message of hope as well, there's always... That message of hope, uh, that, that's, I think, one of the distinctive things about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in, in the Old Testament is that that, that willingness, that um, aspect of forgiveness. It, it's, uh, I, I know a, Jew, a Jewish friend that told me one time that was the, the big, unique thing uh, that the people, when they came out of Israel— when Moses brought them out of Israel, out of Egypt, I'm sorry, when he brought them out of Egypt, and they were at the base of Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. 
that remember they built a golden calf at that time. They, I mean, right. right after God had done this tremendous miracle to bring them out of Egypt, they turned right around, and it wasn't the whole nation. There seemed to be a small um, sector, and they think maybe it was the 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 non-Jewish among the uh, people who came out of Egypt. And there were there were many Egyptians and others that from other nations that came out with them. But and and uh, the thought is that that was them, but that the thing is is that when Moses came down from the mountain and discovered the golden calf they had fashioned and that Joshua had um, had participated in it, he said, "I just I took off this gold and put it in the fire and I popped this golden calf. Just wow, I didn't have anything to do with it. Well." Um, Anyway, Moses at that point threw down the tablets and they broke. And and then he went back up on the mountain. And I suppose, I don't know what the people expected. There was judgment. There were consequences. But then he came back down with another set of tablets. Mm -hmm. And and that was so different, my understanding is, uh, from the Jewish perspective, that that was a dramatic signal that... The, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a forgiving God, mm-hmm. that he is a God of second chances. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that's, uh, all, uh, of course, Jeremiah and, and the other prophets, they, that's been a characteristic all along that God declares judgment. He gives warnings about judgment and, mm-hmm. and condemnation for their sin and rebellion, unbelief, disobedience, and but he always, it seems, talks about a remnant, about restoring and, and uh, the nation and restoring his people. And, of course, as we've talked about many times before, Israel is a picture of God's treatment of and attitude toward all of the people of God. Uh, the true, truest understanding of Israel is the people of God, those who have wrestled with God and won. They've come to faith. They've become reconciled and been made um, been made able to uh, commune and fellowship with a holy and righteous God. So um, God is a God of forgiveness. Now, um, Ezekiel, I don't know what else we might mention about him, Stace. What do you, you got any thoughts about uh, the book itself, it, it's a little bit of a confusing book in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he's out of Israel. He's over with, what is it, four to 6,000, I think it is, um, exiles mm-hmm. that have been taken out, three successive uh, attacks where uh, Nebuchadnezzar Babylon takes out. With the first one in 605, that's when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the the... the the first group, and they took out the elite. They took out the scholarly. They took out the uh, those who had skills and abilities that could be of of, of help to them. And uh, and as it turned out, Daniel was a tremendous help, and uh, many, and perhaps many others as well. Uh, but they took out those in, in the royal line, many of them, and um, so. And here amongst them appears this it was a relatively young man, a young priest named Ezekiel from the tribe of Levi. And he's 30 years old when he comes 
when he's taken out, and he establishes a young man, essentially, or basically, and he establishes um, a ministry there among the people of Israel while they are over uh, the exiles, while they are in Babylon. Uh, there was a kind of a a group of them, uh, a group of exiles, immigrants, I guess they'd call them, and at the Kibar River, it calls it, and and there are songs written about them by the river of Jericho or something. Or I don't know how the <laughs> song goes, uh, but they kind of colonized. Uh, there was a kind of a Jewish or Hebrew colony. It kind of reminds me of Goshen, maybe with maybe the, something like of- that. Egypt and Goshen. Yeah, they, they kind of... Now, of course, uh, some of them, uh, Daniel and, and, and others, worked in the palace, and some of them worked at different mm-hmm. places. Well, uh, Esther and her... her uh, was it his uncle, I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mordecai. And so some of them served at different places. But there was a kind of a, a region in which they kind of... They settled. And so Ezekiel is there preaching to them and essentially giving the same messages, the same warning, the same declaration of God's judgment on the, uh, the nation of Israel, the, of Judah. Uh, remember now the ten northern tribes had already been taken into exile by the Assyrians and then never returned. And then Babylon defeated the Assyrians decisively uh, in the Battle of Carchemish in 605. Uh, they, were, uh, they defeated them over near Damascus. Uh, Tyre and Sidon, and then on their way back is when they took that first group of exiles on their way back to Babylon, um, and took the wealth and the riches and, and the leadership and so on, and that was 605, and then 597, they took another group, and then in 586, they took others, and they destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. Mm-hmm. So that's, but, so but all this time Ezekiel is over in, uh, in Babylon declaring Happy. and preaching almost the same message, the same warnings, and getting visions of mm-hmm. the temple in Jerusalem and right. so on. And so he and Jeremiah so are kind Jeremiah. of a mad set. Yeah. Um, so was Ezekiel, he was taken in the first round, is that what you said? So in 605? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is neat. I mean, I guess um, yeah, it, it's is interesting to get that perspective. I mean, to read them simultaneously mm-hmm. and to know that that's what's happening. In yeah, one. and then uh, I assume that Ezekiel, even while he was in Jerusalem mm-hmm. over in Israel, New he probably heard New heard. Jeremiah and heard Jeremiah and mm-hmm. what he, all those warnings and all those things. I mean. Uh, Jeremiah is much older, but he, you know he's just thirty. But it, but he was hearing, I'm sure, these things, so that might have informed his understanding of what God is going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have his own unique call. Uh, he says on July thirty first, thirty first of my thirteenth year, and it's, it is interesting too that that Ezekiel does give a lot of exact dates, mm-hmm. which is which is very interesting. While I was with well, the he's Judean, probably, he's probably really keeping track of the days. <laughs> Counting the days, <laughs> 70 years, right? Well, and also considering he had to lay down on his side for 390. <laughs> 390 days, yeah. He's very uh, intent on... The heavens were open. I saw visions of God. This happened during the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. 
Remember that Jehoiakim be, uh, was ruling for a while, and then his son Jehoiakim with an M, as in Mary, at the end of his name. Mm-hmm. And then their uncle Zedekiah was put in uh, in the throne on the throne of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar. And then when Zedekiah rebelled, mm-hmm. we've covered a lot of this already with Jeremiah. Right. When Zedekiah rebelled, uh, they that's when they came in and took over everything. And they blinded him mm. and killed his children in front of him. And then that, and then, that was the last thing he saw was his children being uh, killed by the Babylonians. Uh, and, um, and, and so that happened. And then he appoints Gedaliah as a, the Babylonian king appoints Gedaliah, I believe it is, as the governor. Mm-hmm. of the uh, nation. And then Jewish rebels rebel against him mm-hmm. and assassinate him, and then they escape down into Egypt. Egypt is their go-to. Um, they, they were always looking to Egypt was going to protect them. Mm-hmm. And they formed a military and economic alliances with Egypt. But then By they, you mean the, the, the Judeans, the rebels, the the Judeans Judah, who uh, were still trying to hold out against yeah, Babylon. Mm-hmm. And and although Jeremiah told them, don't look to the Egyptians, mm-hmm. they're going to fall too. And then, uh, and they did. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar went down What's and interesting. destroyed them as well. I don't know why this is interesting to me, but it kind of is, is that that's where Mary and Joseph went with Jesus uh, yeah. to escape Herod, actually. So, Adam, there's something interesting there, huh? Out of Egypt, I have called my son, was a prediction mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. And then uh, when he was two years old, mm-hmm. Herod was killing the, the children born in that region because the, the the wise men said there's a new king born. And mm-hmm. so uh, the the, the, um, the slaughter of the infants, they call it. And uh, Mary and Joseph escaped down into Egypt with him. Probably living, they say, or it is thought, probably living on the riches, the gifts that the wise men brought them, the gold, incense, and myrrh, uh, um, frankincense and myrrh. Uh, So they did that when he was two years old, and then they came back probably when he was four to six years of age. It it has to do, we know the date because of... of, uh, the death of Herod, you know, mm-hmm, after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Egypt was always a pitch in the picture here. And as we many times we've said, Israel was birthed and God put them in that little piece of real estate because that was that became the center of the evolving world yeah, and empires yeah. of that era. And what is so fascinating to me is this would not have been too far from the time of Cleopatra and you know, the most, some of the most... It's uh, a little bit later. It's but a it, little yeah. bit. Let's see. Is it a little bit It later? was after uh, Rome. Was it? No. It's a little bit before. Before Just a little Rome bit before. became to power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So just... So all of this is happening. They've been divided, the, like Daniel mm-hmm. said, into four... Tetrarchs. Tetrarchs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go and take... We already have a listener Franklin. on the line, and it's our good friend, Sorry Franklin. Sorry to have you wait a little bit. God bless you. Uh, I'm glad to hear from you. God I'm going to, I'm going to get ahead of you. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how much we esteem and admire you and love you before you get a chance oh, to tell me. Yes, <laughs> now I'm sure. blushing. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sophie. That means a lot to me, buddy. Well, I'm glad. Uh, well, I've got two things. Okay. Number one, 
Do you know why Ezekiel is the prophet of the truckers? I did not even know that was true, but Ezekiel is the prophet yeah. of the truck. Okay, now, is this, a, is this a joke? I feel like or a joke it, might be coming. Yeah, I feel like it's, it, it's coming. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ezekiel is the prophet of the truckers because he saw the wheel. Ah, yes. uh, uh, the wheel in a wheel. <laughs> and a wheel and a wheel and a bunch of them. Yes. Anyway. I wanted to make a point. Uh, all Am I wrong, but I believe that all the captives of Israel that were taken to Babylon were slaves at that point. I, I think you could say that for sure. I mean, they were taken. And to, so they, they were living in a like a slave ghetto uh-huh. uh, where the, uh, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, or I should say Chaldeans, mm-hmm. <laughs> put them. Uh, and uh, it's always been a source of wonder to me that uh, so many people like uh, 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 Mordecai mm-hmm. and Ezekiel and all uh, didn't seem to have a day job. Uh, I don't know. Uh, slavery in Babylon must have been significantly different or, or whether it was just because they were captives of war or, or what it was. Do you have any read on that? Well, all I know is that they, I wouldn't say I know what I've come to understand, is that they were taken out because they didn't, a lot of them were the elite, they were the wealthy, they were the educated, and many of them came mm-hmm. from the royal line. And so they yeah. were removing any possible rebellion or leaders of rebellion uh and they took people that could serve them in some way. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served as governors of several different provinces of, mm-hmm. of Babylon. But they and were elevated to that. in the palace itself, as did, uh, and, as did Daniel. Yeah, and Daniel was elevated to that. I, I don't think Mordecai worked in the palace. Uh, he he uh, raised uh, uh, Esther. But uh, he would come to the gate, but uh, there's nothing aside from his communicating with Esther that would indicate that he was actually in the palace. Well, you're right there. I guess I've envisioned him in some way serving at that at a fairly high level, uh, because remember when uh, the assassination. The assassination. Well, that was after. Yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't get any recognition until after it was brought to his attention by Esther. That's right. It is exactly right. But so I guess I've always envisioned him serving some purpose, maybe not in the palace itself, but in in Babylon yeah. at some level. I, I think he had a day job. Yeah, maybe, maybe. probably a cobbler or a carpenter or a tent maker or or something like that, uh, goldsmith, silversmith, I don't know. I suspect but, someday uh, we can ask him. A gardener. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to that day. Yeah, me too. The hanging um, gardens. Of, you the, know. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, we didn't answer okay. yours about uh, Mordecai and, and what was his position and all. I'm, maybe we, uh, we'll have a listener that might call well, in and give us a The Jews insight. in general, They were. I think they were all slaves. Yeah. But but remember, they are capable, yeah, intelligent, yeah. informed. Oh, so yeah. Can, well, they took good slaves. They didn't want crummy slaves. Yeah, they wanted good slaves that yeah. would do something. But uh, still, they were. Yeah. They couldn't leave. Now, Babylon, uh, except, like, Babylon, like Egypt, was a very um, was a culture of uh, construction. 
they constructed a Babylon itself. The city of Babylon was massive. Oh yeah, and was one of the great wonders of the of the ancient world. Yeah, the Tower of Babel. Well, the Tower of Babel had been there, and then the wall around Babylon, the city of Babylon, yeah. was was broad. And the Ishtar up. Gate, yeah, it was and, broad and the Hanging Gardens. Yeah, yeah, the Hanging Gardens, that was one of the eight wonders. But the, you could have three chariots side by side driving on the wall around Babylon. Yeah. It was very that thick. That took very, a lot of work. Yeah, it was. It was. They were constructed. Remember, they had. Uh, remember the ovens that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. Oh yeah. Too well. Those it wasn't ovens, just for bread. Those <laughs> ovens were prominent because they made a lot of brick mm-hmm. and they did a lot of construction work uh, in using. Yeah, that's yeah. So they would have to. Yeah, certainly, it was within the uh, context of. Uh, of the real ba- the Babylon that we know even from other sources of great builders and they use a yeah. lot of bricks. <laughs> yeah, but it, it seems it seems kind of strange. I've never been able to get a handle on it. Especially later on, you find that the Israelites were living in various different provinces and places in uh, the, the Babylonian Empire, uh-huh. uh, and so uh, that doesn't quite ring with the slavery stuff but on the other hand maybe they had a different method of slavery over there yeah it wasn't like the egyptian um you know it wasn't like the egyptian experience of course when they became a of course not it might it might have been more different culture yeah it might have been more similar to the roman uh to the roman way where Mm -hmm. it's more of an i don't know slaves in rome were pretty well tied to where they were at and they didn't go in anywhere <laughs> or on pain of death, uh, just uh, yeah. Uh, look at uh, 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 Paul writes about uh, uh, um, oh in Philemon. Philemon. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, sure. in Philemon, uh, oh. the, the his slave that had run away to Rome. Uh huh. Right. Well, that was a death sentence to the guy, but uh, Paul sent him back. Uh huh. And prayed that uh, uh, Philemon would forgive him and find a good use for him because he'd converted to Christianity and everything. Right. He came to Christ, came to faith. Yeah, and yeah, that, that was, was a pretty very rare book. Yeah, we've already read and yeah. covered this year. For this year, we'll come back to it. I was listening to you. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. good for the, the one thing I want to ask you though is that I started to ask you this question: What do you make of that uh, vision that? Ezekiel has of the wheel within the wheel and the, oh, these beings that with move. eyes on it. Yes. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but, it's you know, odd, but uh, yeah. And you, well, it's interesting that he says God was, they went straight. Uh, they went straight and, and they didn't, you know, make curves or anything. They would go straight one way and then straight another way. Hmm. And when the angels there or the cherubim there went up, the wheels would come up. And when they went down, the wheels would go down. Uh, I have not been able to get my head about that. Sounds like a UFO, unidentified. You know, some of these things that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be a facile uh, explanation for it, but he was seeing this in a vision. In so a vision, yeah. Yeah, I don't well, know I, if he was seeing visions of UFOs. One, one, thing <laughs> Could be, read, one thing I've read that seems to make a little bit of sense, too, is that Ezekiel is telling them, you know, they're they're out of Israel now. They're, they're been taken away, a thousand miles yeah. away over into Babylon. 
and one understanding of it was that uh, God is demonstrating that he he can be reached anywhere just because they're out of the confines of Israel out of Jerusalem away from the temple doesn't mean they can't that God is not with them and God doesn't see them and that God doesn't care yeah. about them so it's it's kind of the idea of his movements was God on the move that God is everywhere and and they could still experience him and please him and worship him and follow after him even though they're out of the the promised land yeah. It seems to kind of make a little bit of sense that that would be something they could derive from that vision. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is. You, can you think of uh, any other vision. place in the Bible, uh, Old or New Testament, uh, where wheels played such a prominent part? Uh, seems like the wheel is symbolic of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, our life or our spirit. Hmm. or something like that. I don't know, but I can't think of any other place in the Bible where they talk about wheels. Yeah, well, it, it's a wheel in, in, in these four faces, the, the human face, yeah, the, the lion's four faces, face, uh, the, the eagles, the and, and, the eagle, yeah. and the ox. Yeah. Some people have equated that to the four themes of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, some have huh. talk about the... You know, the wonder who got the ox on that one. <laughs> but I, I would think that was more re- related to the Egyptians well, and yeah. their gods, yeah. uh, because they had gods, uh, the, the the eagle god or the, the falcon god, the cow god, which the Israelites, of course, when they built the golden calf and and mm-hmm. and later on when uh, uh was it Adinabad, uh, the guy that broke away from Judah yeah, yeah. and split the kingdom? Yeah. And then he he built uh, golden calves, and that was what the people were supposed to worship. And there's references in the Bible to kissing the calf and all like that. Mm, that yeah. has to be related to another pagan uh, religion. Right. I, I, I suspect you're right. Well, listen, we're coming up on our break. I do okay. he- enjoy hearing from you always, Franklin. Thanks for calling in with this uh with this well, new knowledge about the Ezekiel is the is a prophet of the truck the drivers. They <laughs> yeah, the truckers, yes. Well, uh, I, I thank you. And if you all would sometime, uh, please say a prayer for my wife, Karen. She's going into hospital this week, and hopefully she's going to have her colon reattached properly. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I had a vision the other night, and I'm a little bit worried about the whole thing. So mm-hmm. I just hope that it all goes well and that everything, well, I know everything's going to work to God's purpose, but I, mm-hmm. I kind of hope in this case God's purpose aligns with mine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be a nice thing. Well, you know, that's a wonderful thing about our God. He... He encourages us and allows us to at least tell him our druthers. Lord, I, I, I don't know exactly perfectly what your perfect will is, but you said to ask what we will. And this is a, my heart cry to you is that you'd heal Franklin's wife, Karen, and that you would bring her to fully restore her health and activity. And we trust you to do that. And uh, we, we know that you love her and that you will do your perfect will. That's what we ultimately yeah. want. In all cases, may his will be done Amen. and not ours. Amen. Thank you, brother, Amen. for calling. Thank you. Good to hear from Thank you. Thank you for the prayer. You bet. Bye-bye. 
Well, there we have our first segment went by pretty quickly. We've just barely introduced Ezekiel entirely. We'll come back with some uh, questions that maybe some of you can answer. Maybe what Franklin shared or the questions he brought up could stir some of you to uh, give us a response to some of those. Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. To 60, 6,500 uh, thought. Maybe maybe our next caller can give us some more of these facts. Um, and I'm so glad he's calling in. This is a Jacob. Special, a special caller. A Jacob. special friend and uh, <laughs> hey, friend Jeff. of the program and, and a, a great authority <laughs> on all things Jewish and particularly help, helpful to us during the Hebrew, during <clears throat> the reading of the Old Testament scriptures. We're, we're really glad to hear from you. Hi, Jacob. How are you doing? Well, hi there, Sophie, Aww. and a great daughter of yours. How Aww. are you both doing? We're doing great, I think. It's so good to hear your voice. Stacy's doing better than <laughs> hi, I, <Jacob. laughs> I think. But anyway, what's well, on your mind tonight, Jacob? Well, I, I thought I would uh, call because uh, perhaps you've already mentioned it. I usually listen to the show. I got in a couple minutes late with turning it on. Uh-huh. Um, tonight is the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's, it's what people uh, call the Jewish New Year, but it's not really a Jewish New Year. It's a biblical New Year because oh. the Jews do keep it, but um, the truth is it's God's New Year. Biblically, he set the date, so this is the New Year. Uh-huh. And uh, and so it's really not Jewish. It's just that it kind of a misnomer. They call it Jewish because the Jews keep it. Rosh Hashanah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so this is actually the birthday of the world. Happy birthday to you, (laughs) Planet Earth. Uh, Well, okay. Is it always on the twenty sixth, or is it? The date will occur. Okay. uh, Of course, uh, except the day does change, as all days do. Uh And uh, but so yeah, and it goes for ten days. At the end of ten days is Yom Kippur. When Mm -hmm. uh, and the important thing is is that you can, of course, you can repent at any time, just like in the Christian world. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you haven't, this is your opportunity to make sure you do it. You uh, you have 10 days to correct anything you've done wrong only to human beings, not to God. Uh-huh. And, so, and then when on Yom Kippur occurs, that's when you... Uh, appear before God, mm-hmm. and uh, by that time, you should have corrected any wrongs. I stole your tennis shoes. I need to give you a new tennis shoes back, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so then you appear before God, and you ask Him to forgive you, because even though you fixed it with the human beings, you still broke His commandments, His laws, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you uh, 
you go, you ask uh, for forgiveness for him. And, of course, one of, as the Jews understand, one of the requirements is you do have to make restitution right. uh, to the human beings that you've harmed. Mm-hmm. And that's and I, that's part of the, uh, that made its way over, of course, into uh, this whole thing of Judaism and Christianity. I've always had a little problem with it, as you know, that essentially what we bought into is we're, we're grafted into Israel. We're part, and so uh, a lot of of the commandments and a lot of the principles involved obviously make their way over into Christianity because it's really all about the, the difference. I guess is just we 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 think the Messiah has come, <laughs> and uh, it, yes, of it hasn't changed much. Except, I mean, that's a big change, of course, <laughs> but. Uh, but anyway, hey, well, I want to ask you, since we're in the book of Ezekiel, could you help us? We're just kind of giving the background. Uh, it's it's an unusual book. He's an unusual young man. He's a very artistic fellow. He uses um, street theater. He d- does uh, object lessons. He li- lays on his side for 390 days and another uh, 40 days after. And he... He uses a lot of uh, theatrics and, and, and dramatics in his messages. Uh, unusual. Um, for for example, I mean, in, in general, how is he viewed uh, in in the Jewish world historically? Uh, is I assume he's accepted as a as a mm-hmm. prophet of God. Uh, sure, of course, yeah. And he and Jeremiah were kind of in some ways. Did they communicate, or, or were their messages kind of in in sync because of just the God. same God well, exactly. speaking to both of them? Yeah, they, they were contemporaries, as you say. Jeremiah, of course, was back in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and that's when the temple was destroyed. And uh, the Holy Spirit, God, uh, he would have left the temple because it was— Destroyed, of course, and of course the uh, <clears throat> the uh, they had a lot of pagan rituals, which God can't dwell in the same place with them. So when they destroyed the temple, what Jeremiah, of course, since he was a contemporary, he's basically talking about when the temple was destroyed. May I say, in this way, like the spirit of God, God, if you would like, left the temple because the temple was destroyed, but it followed the Jewish people in the captivity. So when the comparison that happens in Ezekiel, this uh, Haba, Hasra, uh, uh, the chariot, uh-huh. is actually what's considered the, what, uh, a visual, you might say, of the Spirit of God that's going to be with the Jews while they're in captivity because they had to leave back from Jerusalem. Yeah. I, I had mentioned that because uh, my understanding was that the people are so identified God's presence with you know it, with the land and with the temple that it was a it was a, a reminder I guess they uh, they understood that God is omnipresent everywhere present at all times but maybe this was more of a personalized message to them that I am with you I, I'm I'm also in Babylon I'm I'm every, it was it a reassuring sort of a message that that uh, even though you're here, I, I'm, I'm with you everywhere. Hey, I, I, I'm thinking I've read that that was at least 
part of the message of the wheel and the wheel and the, the that being divine presence. Uh huh. And in chapter yeah, ten, you it, say, it is, a, and, and I think it's exactly as you say. The idea was it wasn't just the temple. Of course, it would be uh, wherever God is, and God has the whole world, so He can be anywhere. Yeah. All right. Well, then that's that was one of the things. Uh, anything particular about? Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the history of those four hundred and thirty days that he had laid on one side and the other. Uh, some say that that had to do with the period of time that Israel would be under a Gentile mm-hmm. rule up until the time of the Maccabees, I believe it was, and it turned out to be four hundred and thirty years. Uh, is that generally how it's understood as well? In oh yeah, the Hebrew. You bet. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, of course, yeah, it's exactly like that. And um, the uh, the important thing is, is as you well point out, that it didn't. It wasn't just in that temple. It was that they. Uh, the understanding is that God can be with anybody anywhere, but of course, at this particular illustration, that I went with the Jews into captivity. Mm-hmm. And I did hear the other gentleman talking about uh, the type of slavery it was. Yeah. Uh, the, ty- the type of slavery it was, uh, was more or less a, 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 a serfdom. They had, uh, like Daniel and the other three boys that were with him, they call it, they're all, I guess, you know, they're all eunuchs. They were all castrated. What is their Hebrew and, name? Tell me, I, I've forgotten. Hanania, um, uh, Hanania, Esbel, and, uh, and shoot, I forgot the third one. Uh-huh. But, Bel- Belshazzar? But, Isn't it, uh, wasn't it, is it Belshazzar? I, I can't remember. I, 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 I'm just so familiar with the with their Babylonian name Shadrach, Meshach, uh-huh. Abednego, and I always kind of chastise myself because you told you taught me and told me, well, no, we ought to remember the Hebrew Shazar names or something. Yeah, anyway. but anyway, uh, go ahead. I'm no. sorry, you were talking about them. No. Well, no. So see, they uh, they were put in char- into the eunuchs charge because uh, their whole purpose was to be more or less nothing more than an animated tool, mm-hmm. an intellectual book, if you will, to memorize, learn languages, and mm-hmm. and teach other Babylonian children. Mm-hmm. But that's all they were meant for, because they were no longer meant to be sovereign human beings. They were meant to be nothing more than a tool, like if you had a slave that only worked in the field, that mm-hmm. would be what he's assigned to. So these, these guys were trained and educated so they could just be, and they weren't expected to have lives. They were solely expected to be just, the, in this particular thing, a book. That was a reality of that particular era. And even before that, mm-hmm. the Assyrians as well took slaves. I, I remember the general that that uh, Elisha healed of his of his leprosy. Name, uh, was it Naaman? Uh, what's his name? Uh-huh. No. Uh, yeah. And, and he has a Jewish... Uh, maiden that's serving in his household, and she's the one that convinces him to go see the the prophet of the of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah, and he mm-hmm. said he can heal you, and uh, and he did. So, I mean, I guess this was a common thing of that era mm-hmm. that they took captives in in battle or war or. Um, I, yes, that, that that's that's correct, and uh, and so. What they, uh, of course, you know, the book of I, 
Ezekiel has some very interesting things in it, uh-huh. uh, but it it, it is uh, considered to be prophecy because, you know, it's what talks about, uh, there's a section that talks about the third temple and actually has the, yeah. the framework for the third temple. And so that's always been, in fact, a piece of interesting information. There's a place called the Temple Institute that's rabbinical in Israel, and they have got all the parts of everything that needs to be in the temple uh, reconstructed and made, and they've even gone around the world and, but through DNA, etc., identified all the original Levites and the priests. Goodness, I didn't know that. That was yeah. So they're all set to do it, and uh, now I heard this with my own ears. Now, assuming that it's all truthful, um, on top of the Temple Mount, it's uh, where the mosque, the Muslim mosque is. It actually misses where the temple was by about uh, I don't know, for approximately a hundred feet. I've heard that as well. Uh huh. Yes, but actually about 60 feet down under the dirt, because over the centuries so much dirt accumulates, they did they did send up the IDF, the Israeli army, with the rabbis, and they did burrow down in there. And on top of the mountain, there, is, there was a stone trap door. And they opened that up, and inside of the mountain was a carved staircase cut right out of the you know, the stone of the mountain. So it's right in the center. And you take that down, and that goes all the way over to a cave. And that cave is where, uh, when Jesus was crucified, uh, Golgotha. And, it's underneath and so Golgotha? Down, yes, uh-huh, underneath it there's a cave. Uh-huh. And that's essential, that's essential. Now, when they came up, I actually heard one of the rabbis say this, I know nothing more than what he said, assuming that he's telling the truth, I guess, that they asked him, did you find the ark? And he said, I have been asked by the state of Israel to not comment if we found the ark. However, I will tell you, we're no longer looking for it. (laughs) Very Jewish, (laughs) it seems (laughs) like to me. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I've appreciated that. And I know that you, you had heard that personally, so I, I mean, you oh, heard, heard that, the, and so, that interview. And so what's interesting is, if they do have it, then they, the only thing that I understand through uh, the grapevine, if you will, that they're still looking for is the breastplate that the priest wore. Mm-hmm. But uh, they intend... I'm following from Ezekiel, the diagram of Ezekiel. I'm sorry, are you going to say something? I, I was, I was going to say, that's not... The Urim and the Thummim, um, the these stones that are embedded in yeah, the yeah, no? that's uh, that's part actually uh, yeah, that's part of it. You bet, okay. and it's got a hinge at the bottom, see, and it opens up like a oh, like a V shape, and so what goes inside there is the Hebrew name Yodevave of God, uh-huh. and then they close it back in there. So on the breastplate, when they stand in front of the ark. Uh, the ark would cause a stone on the breastplate to light up, as the story goes. If you really want to see how that's illustrated, do you remember uh, that movie by that Irish guy? Uh, um, oh, what was his name? Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Guy, yes, Spielberg, uh-huh. the Irish guy. Uh-huh. I'm, jo- okay. I'm joking, the Irish guy. I, I know, I get it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, 
but if you if you look at that, when the spaceship comes down, yeah. they've got the organ, and behind them are the lights. <laughs> what you're looking at is yeah. the breastplate. And when the spaceship comes down, they hit a couple notes, and a red green comes on, and the spaceship goes, and you're actually looking at how it was understood to work. Hmm. How about that? I, 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 you may have told me that before, but I guess that's a little factoid that I had forgotten. But well, I, I do remember that now. That, and it's okay. It's I, okay if I told you before because I like to hear it again myself, so I don't <laughs> mind repeating. <laughs> well, yeah, and I like that movie, by the way. Well, you know, remember well, the the sound that particular sequence of sounds mm-hmm. was very interesting. Well, you know what? Also, I do want to say this is. Uh, if I may, this is uh, this is uh, Rosh Hashanah, which is the birthday of the world, because it's actually the day in history that Adam and Eve were made. Okay. Because it, because creation doesn't occur until the very last element is made, and Adam and Eve was the first in thought, last in creation. So he they, until the very last thing is made, the creation is not completed. So. This is actually, when they say birthday of the world, it's actually the day that Adam and Eve were created. And and anybody that's good at math, and I know you are, you're an expert with algebra and math and arithmetic, everything. Arithmetic, uh, everybody maybe. should know. <laughs> well, I know, but you're a very you're a good mathematician. In fact, I believe you have a degree in mathematics, I don't do. you? I do, actually, many centuries so, ago. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Hey, but you can go. You can actually calculate this. It's there. But what's interesting? This is now. This is what's called a shemitah. This is every. This only occurs every seven years. Now, um, it, what happens is so Rosh Hashanah will occur, then Yom Kippur, and after that is something called Sukkot or uh, Tabernacles. I believe they call it in the English Bible. Uh-huh. And at that time, Feast of Tabernacles, yeah. mm-hmm. Feast of Tabernacles, yes, sir. And if you look, uh, that occurs, and I believe, I hope I'm not wrong, I think it's 3110 of Deuteronomy. Now, that tells us that every seven years, only the king, whoever functions as the king, mm-hmm. has to read or teach the book of Deuteronomy to all of Israel, and all the Jews are supposed to go there and be taught. Mm-hmm. Now, that's called in Hebrew the Hakel. That will be taking place on the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, uh, in a couple of weeks, because it is the seventh year. It took place seven years ago. It'll take place again this time. Who will, now, read, that, who will read the law The law to them? At this time, they will appoint the head rabbi because he will be functioning in the more or less as the temporary office of the king, you might say. Uh-huh. And, and so, and so, if you really get the picture, like what's called the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mountain, uh-huh. that's not a first-time event. Uh-huh. That has taken place many times. In fact, the Book of Deuteronomy is the first time. So what happens is when Jesus is up there on that mountain and he's teaching what's called the Beatitudes, you can actually take all those things he said and match them to what passage or verse occurs in Deuteronomy. He's doing exactly what's commanded. But what's more revealing is this, is that he's actually saying to the Romans and to the Jews, I am the king of Israel, because see, only the king could do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's actually to do, do that, yeah. That's right. 
and it's I think it's Deuteronomy 31:10. You'll actually find it, and it actually takes place about eight times. It takes place in the Old Testament. Yeah. But but what's fascinating is that's why when they crucified Jesus, they put that sign on there and said, "Here is your king." Because hmm. the Romans understood, yeah. the Jews understood. That's what Jos- I think. That's fascinating. That's what Josiah did. As well, right? Uh, the young king yeah. Josiah—he read the scriptures, read the there law to the people, and, and yeah. uh, first he read it himself, and then of course read to the—and it sparked a revival, a spiritual revival there in the nation. Well, that is—I always love hearing from you, Jacob. Still, and I'm so glad you call, and I hope you and your sweetheart are doing really well. And it's always a blessing to hear from you. Don't be a stranger. Oh. Call anytime. Well, okay. Okay, and Sophie, you take care, and tell Stacy to take care of herself. You all be good, and may I give you the standard Hebrew Happy New Year thing? It's Lashana Tovu, which means basically have a good year, and the standard idea is have a healthy and happy new year for you and your family. Thank you so much, my friend. Good to hear from you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Now. You bet. Jacob calls, and he's been such a great friend to the program and, of course, uh, mm-hmm. co-host and partner with me many for several years. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Yeah, there's something like that. I've never seen this. You really have? Oh my goodness, dear! Your education is only partial. Way excited about this, though. Yeah, you you have to watch it. It it is it is very interesting. Okay. Uh, And with and I knew it did have that Hebrew slant to it. Uh, It's it's not about that. It doesn't say that in the movie itself, but. Spielberg being Spielberg, the, the Irish uh, produ- <laughs> yes. uh, producer there. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, we are going to take a break a- again coming up on our final segment. Um, uh, and, but we've given some pretty good information about Ezekiel mm-hmm. and the things that are taking place. Uh, chapter 10 is where Jacob was referring to uh, that um, the four beings and, and the temple is abandoned. Uh, God's glory left the temple. And uh, it and left the city of Jerusalem in chapter eleven, so uh, the glory of God was seen to to go up from it, and and that is a vision that Ezekiel shares as well. Um, as God glory as God's glory leaves Jerusalem, it stopped above. Uh, they think probably it was the Mount of Olives, mm. in chapter forty three. So. Um, Anyway, this is all, it's linked. And uh, someone was telling me about a book that someone wrote. Was it you telling me about a book called Seamless? Where this, uh, uh, this woman has written a book, Seamless, and she demonstrates the seamless nature of the Bible from mm-hmm. the Old Testament all the way to the New. How mm-hmm. there is this continuing constant message, the redemptive plan of God and and the the what it shares about God and his nature and so on. Uh, it, 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 it's a seamless unity of one, and which is which is really really fascinating. One of the reasons that we believe that the Bible is not only historically reliable and accurate, but also divinely sourced. That it is indeed the Word of God, right. because of these supernatural elements that are present. I was teaching about that this morning in my class out at Lackland with the basic trainees. That's a, that's the theme of our of our Foxtrot class. These guys are going to graduate within another week, and they really, really enjoyed uh, that particular lesson. We give a lot of the reasons why we believe the Bible to be not only reliable and accurate and dependable, 
but also uh, the Word of God, the supernatural element. And uh, they enjoyed hearing. Oh, yeah. it's, it's not too many, too often people hear, you know, what is the evidence? What right. makes us believe right. that it's God's Word? But anyway, uh, Stacy, on all in all of that about Ezekiel and talking with Jacob there, was there anything at all that kind of jumped to your mind? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really conscious of the fact that I talk way too much, and I need to let you <laughs> chime in and give that. I don't that. know. It, uh, you know, well, I think what's standing out to me right now is it really does kind of jump a little bit all over the place, and so maybe that's the irony here. We're talking about the unity and the, the message and mm-hmm. the seamlessness. And yet I, Ezekiel does seem a little bit bouncy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're talking baking bread over dung, and then we're seeing visions of wheels, and then we're, you know, the uh, God's glory has left the temple. So it seems... Um, a, a the way little, you said that made me think of the famous line, Elvis has left, has the, left building. the building. <laughs> God the king, has the, left the, the king temple. The king of kings has left the temple, <laughs> the temple has left yeah. the building. Um, and yet, you know, and, and, and maybe that's kind of uh, the paradox here is, a, is kind of an artist, a street prophet, um, and just shows how God uses mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, he uses anyone who is willing. He, um, I, in your intro to Ezekiel and the readings, one of them says, you know, Ezekiel's called to do some crazy things, and he obeys. And if God is calling you to do something seemingly crazy, how how will you respond? And you put that out there, kind of as a not maybe rhetorical. Um, I do crazy things, but I'm not sure the <laughs> Lord has led, led me to can't do blame them. God. That, yeah. <laughs> All right, there's our music. We better take a quick break, and we'll come right back with more from the Bible, live, the book of Ezekiel. And we hope that you might give us a call if you'd like to and chime in, and maybe we've raised enough topics that there's something that came to your heart and your mind as well about this great book of books or Prophet Ezekiel, whatever you'd like. We'd love to hear from you, 210-340-9585. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We are 
are back for our final segment of the Bible Live broadcast. We're going to make a little more progress this time, Stace, with uh, <laughs> just kind of through some more chapters. We read all the way through chapter 22. Mm-hmm. Not We didn't finish that chapter, but we, we'll pick up there again at verse 17. But we uh, let, let's go through some of these visions. We talked about Ezekiel, his unique personality that he is, unique experience being over in Babylon. Um some of these, uh, he he's talking still, and and God even tells him at one point, you're 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 going to speak, and people are not going to you're you're not going to speak to a foreign language, foreign people, or they would probably listen to you. <laughs> and then he says, but you're talking to the, my people, and, and they won't listen. There's, but you, but then God Himself says in chapter three, you're stubborn too, though. You're a stubborn person, so don't be afraid of that. So God <laughs> is using His stubbornness. His, an aspect right. of his personality, a char- character, to he's using it because he's hard, hard-headed and stubborn, and he's not going to give up. <laughs> and, and which is interesting, uh, interesting idea that God can use even, <laughs> even our our quirks of our personalities. Our right? determination. Yes, there one, it is. One person's stubbornness is another's determination. Though. That's right. Determined and, and, Easy and determined. stick to it. Yeah. Well, let's go through some of these. Uh, we, we've already talked about the wheel and the wheel in chapter one uh, and these, the, this uh, vision of a uh, four beings with these four faces mm-hmm. of the four beings in Ezekiel's vision in chapter one. We've talked about how it might have communicated a, uh, the the om- omnipresence of God that God is with them and sees them even there uh, in uh, the far off land, mm-hmm. and then uh, when chapter two and three at the end of chapter two we see uh, God commands Ezekiel to eat uh, to eat something a, a scroll, and he, and he's to <laughs> eat, in other words the Bible I guess God's word. And uh, he eats, and it's sweet to him. And so I, I, mean, I guess we understand there, that. That's not particular. one way of doing it. Yeah, I guess. yeah. just eat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if that memorizes it or what, but he, he was told to eat. The, who? Some other prophet. I think it was Jeremiah was told that as well. That words were Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. That okay. words were found, wow. and I did eat them, and they were joy and rejoicing to my soul, mm. to my heart. Uh, so it's. Uh, I, I guess it's not uncommon. Uh, we we did say that God seemed to be delivering the, more or less the same messages to both Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much they commuted. I, I know there was some communication between them. <clears throat> there is one time when he even receives a delegation from Jerusalem, mm, but I <clears throat> I don't know how much and and or or some of it could be explained by God delivering the same basic message. Right. Now, Ezekiel did hear Jerusalem, uh, uh, Jeremiah back in Israel for many Wait, years Jeremiah. as he was growing uh-huh. up. So uh, it could be, too, that he remembered some of the lessons and messages that mm-hmm. Jeremiah delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a street preacher in Babylon for 22 years. Uh, he once used in chapter, um, what, chapter 4, he uses a large brick to illustrate uh, one of his sermons. And Ezekiel did that. Like we said, he was creative and, and artistic in, in his communication uh, style. Uh, what did the large brick, what was it used 
to illustrate. Are you familiar with that in Chapter 4? Let's see. Well, you mean the, the, the map? That was yeah, he drew a map. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. He drew a map on this brick. Uh, a map of what? Uh, the siege of Jerusalem. The okay, siege. a description of the siege. It's evidently a, a couple of years a siege. Um, it, it was it was devastating. I mean, it drove the people to ca- to cannibalism and uh, dep- deprivation and many many deaths. Um, but he he illustrates and draws a map of Jerusalem on this brick. Now, a brick would be a very common thing there in in Babylon. Remember, Babylon like the Egyptians before them. Babylon was a culture given to construction projects. Remember uh, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of yeah. the eight great wonders of the ancient world, and mm-hmm. and Babylon itself, uh, the wall around uh, Babylon was humongous. It was three chariots could ride around the city uh, side by side. It was that that broad and wide. Uh, so they, it, they are given to great um, building projects. Remember the Tower of Babel, for that matter, going back uh, some centuries. But so he is a brick would be a common thing to use there, I suspect, in that uh, part of the world. And he draws a map of the siege of Jerusalem and communicates it. Uh, then in chapter four. We see uh, he lays on his left side for 390 days and on his right side for 40 days. And someone didn't someone ask us about this last week, about something of the history between uh, Malachi and the end of the Old mm-hmm. Testament? And the, they seem like they asked us a little bit about it. And I may not have answered satisfactorily, but that was this 430-year period was... That, that described in Ezekiel is the years that uh, Israel or Jerusalem is going to be under Gentile rule, starting in, in uh, 597 and going until uh, it measured 167 when the Maccabees rebelled against the Roman occupation mm-hmm. and established Jewish control over Israel once again. Now, of course, they lost that. Eventually, and in the time of, of Messiah, in the time of Jesus, the Romans were back in control over Israel. But <clears throat> that that was the message that was delivered with that particular um, sermon illustrated by Ezekiel laying on his left side for 390 days and on his right side for 40. What a... What is interesting to me, though, is you know all of this is prior, I guess, to 586. I don't know how many years it is. Let's see. that. So Ezekiel would have been prophesying and telling the people, you know, of Jerusalem's future and and of Mm -hmm. the destruction that's coming. But he seems like he's preaching to the choir. Wouldn't you, you know, I mean, I can understand Jeremiah, you know, prophesying and telling the people because they're still in Jerusalem. But Ezekiel at this point is talking to people that aren't, that are already in exile, that aren't even in Jerusalem. So it seems a funny thing to me a little bit um, Mm -hmm. why he would be preaching Jerusalem's destruction when they're not even in Jerusalem anymore. Um, Was there any kind of 
thoughts on that? Or mm. yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's not. It doesn't seem as relevant to right. them being out of the out of the land mm-hmm. and away from the temple, and and but but they're still by their very history and nature. They're still. Holding out hope? Yeah, they're, they're, they're still connected as part of their tradition, as part of their national identity right. as a people. Um, and, of course, Ezekiel, like Jeremiah, is also emphasizing that you will, you will be restored. God is going to restore his people to the land. Uh, uh, the, the understanding of the 70 years and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is... Uh, I I assume that this is a little bit of a separate thing about you know, the the nation is going to be under Gentile uh, rule and control for well, 430 mm-hmm. years, and mm-hmm. during the, that season they they call it you know the 400 years in between um, uh, Malachi and you know the coming of uh-huh. the Messiah John the Baptist, I guess. Right. What do uh, they call that? The four hundred, the 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 quiet, the silent the years. Silent I think, years? yeah. Uh, there is no word from God, no prophets. Right. But during, during that, that period. time is Alexander the Great, is Julius Caesar, right? Is that yes, is uh-huh, that mm-hmm. that's the, the Cleopatra, Mark uh-huh, Antony, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of that is happening. Which I yeah, think is Rome is rising, and the Goths, it's, yeah, the Visigoths, and the, Daniel, of course, talks about mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. He talks about how. Alexander Great is that leopard that moves quickly, and he, that was a feature of his uh, military prowess. Is they moved so quickly, and took a whole, and then uh, his death, young, and uh, division of his kingdom into four sections, and then one of them comes to dominate and becomes Rome, yeah. of course. Uh, so it, it, Daniel picks up on that. So. Uh, God is into this future-telling business. These prophecies are, are one of another, one of the great reasons that we believe this, the Scriptures to be God's Word is mm-hmm. not only that supernatural consistency from beginning to end, but these amazing prophecies of all kinds, mm-hmm. uh, some individual, some personal, some about the king, about the, the nation as a whole, about battles and mm-hmm. wars and deliverance and... Some of them are, are uh, about broader, bigger themes as well. But the, the, these prophecies are amazing. And the Messianic prophecies, of course, about the coming of this Messiah, this Savior uh, that God has promised from the very beginning. So then we've got that particular vision in chapters 3 and 4. Um, lying on his left side there in chapter 4, and on his right side, 430 days. Uh, in chapter five, we have this um, this really odd one. Uh, Ezekiel is told to cut hair from his head and his beard uh, to demonstrate d- demonstrate how God is going to destroy one third of the people in during the siege of Jerusalem, uh, and one. Uh, by sword after the siege, and another third would be scattered among the nations, and and he has him use hair from his beard and his and his head uh, <laughs> to illustrate that 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 is so weird. I'm, okay. I, I have to say it's a, 
but I hate to call anything that God ordained here is weird, but it is a strange way that I don't think, he... Yeah, I don't think God could ever be accused of not speaking to all people yeah. <laughs> and using every yeah. every which way. I guess to... we do have to realize he's a, the God of creation, so creation, he's creative, creativity. right? Creativity, um, yes. I know one of the things that... Um, I read just about uh, the book of Ezekiel and kind of the message to the people is that you know he's God he's not punishing just for punishment's sake that there is a purpose and there is yeah. a a reason in it and it is to bring them back to him it is a uh, uh, you know you always I think of the 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 lamb that has the broken leg or you know, mm-hmm. and of course that broken leg might hurt and feel painful in the moment but it's meant to to what well, he, he will he will in that time be right near he will carry you know, yeah. will, and it's to draw um there does seem to be an overriding principle that god is trying to tell them right, right. And, and in fact i think it's uh, there's over a certain phrase used yeah. 62 times. 65 times. Right. 65 times. While he's disciplining them, uh-huh. then they will know I am the Lord. Over and over again. Then I'm going to do know. this, do this, do this, and then they will know that I am the Lord. The Lord. So maybe that's kind of, maybe that's the, you know, to me it seems strange that Ezekiel would be telling them the destruction maybe they still had their hope even though they're exiled even though they're uh you know slaves or uh in this region in babylon uh maybe they're still holding out hope of jerusalem and still holding out hope of kind of uh or at least identifying mm-hmm. in their nationality as opposed mm-hmm. to god saying no that 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 is that's okay but i am your identity i need to be uh, I am your Lord, no matter where you are. And there's maybe the wheel within the wheel coming into play. Well, this but, all uh, takes place in the context of this un, this incredible corruption and wickedness and perversions of all kinds, right. following after false gods right. and idolatries and so on. And in fact, there's one of the visions that we're coming up on is... Uh, Chapter 8, where Ezekiel is taken in a vision to witness the idolatry being practiced mm. by Jerusalem's leaders, by Israel's leaders, in the, in the very temple itself. And so the, somehow we've talked about that a lot during Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Right. The wickedness, the corruption, the people. Right. It was unparalleled rebellion against God and rejection mm-hmm. of God. Uh, and I, somehow I haven't identified that as much in my mind with those who were taken into exile because the ones that you read about there are like Mordecai and Esther and Daniel and and, uh, the three Hebrew uh, young men that, and they're godly and still believing. But I, I, I guess it's a reminder here that even those that were taken Mm -hmm. were, were, were not listening as well. They, as a whole, as a, a group. Right. That, that they were rebellious and they had, you know, abandoned the worship of the true and living God and maybe were involved in idolatry and worshiping false gods as well. And so uh, Ezekiel s- s- says 65 times in the book, then they will know that I am the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. he declares this, he declares, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. They're going to be judged, they're going to be 
destroyed Israel and so on. But then they will know I am the Lord. So when he says in chapter 5, um, you know, a third of the people will be will die in the siege, a third will die by sword after the siege, mm-hmm. and a third will be scattered among the nations. Is Ezekiel talking to... Now, none of that group of, of thirds is who he's actually talking to. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So they're not even the third that will be scattered among the nations. He's only speaking in numbers of those that were still in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I that's, so. that's, I think, what an intro... That's what's... I. I guess kind of fascinating to me is it's, it's as if they're watching Jerusalem. Yeah. And well, you, you kind of, I can imagine them doing that. Sure. I mean, being I very interested too, in all that's going to happen over there. And their family might still family, be there. Um, their homes, mm-hmm. the possessions are mm-hmm. still back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I assume they did still have a great interest in it all. And so Ezekiel's messages are about the nation and about the future of the nation and the prospect, what's mm-hmm, going to happen, mm-hmm. and assuming that they're still in some way uh, interested in that and identifying mm-hmm. with the nation. But some of them are, are some of the messages are for them there too. I, I assume that there was a practicality to it in some way. Mm-hmm. They were called to repentance and service the Lord as well. Then there is this idolaters uh, we talked about in in the temple in Jerusalem. Right. And there's a slaughter of the idolaters in Jerusalem in, in a vision. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, people who had a certain mark on their foreheads were not killed. What did uh, they, they, what they did to get the mark on their heads to be delivered was very interesting because they, they mm-hmm. wept and sighed because of the sin they saw around them. Mm-hmm. They repented and were against the idolatry and the immorality. So... They were spared the the slaughter uh, mm. there, and it, it's chapter nine of Ezekiel. It's another kind of graphic vision of uh, those same. Uh, well, it's, it starts with this slaughter uh, of the temple and the, and the idolatry in the temple, but then in chapter ten it moves on to he sees that those same four beings that he began in his commissioning vision. He witnesses them removed from the temple in Jerusalem. The glory of the Lord departs from the temple and then from uh, then from the city as well in chapter 11. Uh, it rests over the, the Mount of Olives. Uh, it is kind of sad. And you, and you talk about, in, and then in the next um, chapter in 11, uh, it's... You know, principally, it's the leaders and the religious and the civic leaders that are responsible for a lot of the rebellion. And so maybe that's a part of Ezekiel's message, too, than to the people that are removed to, um, you know, I, almost an object lesson. You, But look, they, these leaders, they, they oh, yeah. were wrong. They yeah. have led, they have led the people so, so poorly and the consequences. They're definitely going to be a part of this judgment. Right. And those that are following them, unfortunately, are being, you know, one third will be killed by the sword. One third died and Mm seems one third Mm -hmm. scattered. And so, I mean, there's a, be careful who you're following. Be careful uh, who you're. Yeah. (laughs) Who you elect, (laughs) I guess, for for our modern. uh, Right. Your leaders are important in in how they lead the nation and they set the pattern and so on. I mean, in so much so. I mean, if there was any kind of a, you would think that if if there was any kind of, can can you imagine, I mean, 
Joachim or Joachim, his two nephews. Right. And he was their uncle, the last king. Was it Zedekiah or Hezekiah? Hezekiah. Hezekiah, who uh, when he was he was kind of inclined to go and abide by what Jeremiah was saying and to submit to, but he kept hearing, "Oh no, you're going to be fine because the temple is here," and he was listened to those. Kind of went back and forth. Kind of went back and forth, and it's just, you know, talk about the wrong choice. Even Manasseh, this terrible king who is responsible for the killing of Elijah, they say they think sawing him in half and so even he had a little period where he seemingly kind of almost repented mm-hmm. and uh it, it is it's very very back and forth up and down um mm-hmm. very inconsistent well i did um uh, 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 there is a particular message in prophecy in chapter 12 that comes up after the after the he uh he does something else he uh Ezekiel publicly packs his bags, puts his suitcase together, and uh, he went out through a hole in the wall of his house during the night. And this is exactly uh, what Jerusalem, what Ezekiel was saying that the people in Jerusalem would have to do. And uh, and, and in fact, we do find out that King Zedekiah, that Mm -hmm. you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. That's what he did, trying to escape the Babylonians. Right. He put a hole in the wall of Jerusalem and escaped out during the night, but they caught him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he did that exact same thing. So this this prophecy that he gives in chapter 12, uh, that Ezekiel gives and, and demonstrates through this, I guess, theatrics, uh, was, uh, was actually took place in, in the King Zedekiah himself. Well, we didn't get through all of the uh, chapters that we read this past week, but we'll come back to them and kind of fill up, finish talking about all of these uh, unusual visions and messages that Ezekiel is delivering to the people of Israel that were in exile over in Babylon. We'll come back to it next week, all right, here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.